Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. We're going to be in the book of Revelation. Go to Revelation 1. We're going to do a little bit of a review tonight. It has been a great summer. Uh, Dr. Weigel did a great job over the summer sharing with us the uh, feast from the Bible, encouraging and challenging our hearts. And so, uh, it's, so as a result, it's been April the last time we were in Revelation. Time flew, didn't it? It's amazing how, how uh, much time has flown since we were here. So I'm going to do a review. Uh, for those of you who are just new to our church, we've been working through the book of Revelation uh, and uh, on Sunday nights. And it has been uh, a long journey, but that's partly because Sunday nights we have missionaries and we've had uh, Brother Weigel and other uh, things that come up on Sunday nights. And so anyways, but excited to be back in this. So tonight's going to be mostly a review to catch us up to where we left off. Uh, and so I'm thankful that we can be back here. And so if you look in Revelation 1, a couple of things that we want to see here. Uh, before I, I go further, let's just pray together because we're going to be uh, just kind of bouncing all over the beginning of this. We're going to pray, ask God to bless His Word and the preaching, and then we'll go from there. So Lord, thank You for the joy uh, of salvation. Lord, we are so blessed because we have that security, that peace, that hope in Jesus Christ. And even, Lord, as we view the Scriptures tonight and we look at Your plan for the days to come, God, help our hearts uh, tonight to be stirred, uh, Lord, to be faithful until the end. Lord, it can't be long. Uh, Lord, I believe that with all my heart until You rapture Your sweet church out of this place. Uh, but until that day, let us be faithful. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a couple of things we want to look at very, at the very beginning, Revelation 1. Uh, couple, just look at the very first verse. It says, The revelation of who? Jesus Christ, which God gave unto Him to show unto us His servants things which must shortly come to pass. And so there's several things we can glean here. One, we realize this is from Christ. This is not John's revelation. It's Christ's revelation. That's important for us to remember. Second thing we realize is that uh, it was so that God would reveal some things that would come. Now, the Old Testament also speaks to these things, but Revelation uh, allows us to see how they kind of fit together. And so uh, we've studied the book of Daniel, 2 Thessalonians, all also deals with a lot of these things. The book of Joel deals with a lot of this. And so the Word of God kind of puts it all together in perspective here, uh, which we've tried to do over the last uh, course of the several months as we've been studying Revelation. And so as we come to this point, uh, we realize and we want to just have firm in our hearts that Revelation is from the Lord. It's not from John. And secondly, uh, verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. I love the fact that God included this in Revelation. Uh, many people are afraid of the book of Revelation and fearful, uh, but he says instead, blessed is he, joyful, happy is he that uh, heareth that uh, these words of this prophecy. So we don't have to be afraid. Instead, 
Well, there's, it, this is a source of joy for us. And so as we study this, the, the book of Revelation, I, I'm just encouraged because right out of the box in Revelation chapter 1, we begin to learn some things about Jesus Christ. Verse number 11, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And we learn some things about Jesus Christ, His eternality, that He has no beginning and He has no ending. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm thankful that Jesus always has been and always will be. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 18, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so He has always been. And we can trust in Him. And say verse number 18, look in the same uh, chapter. I am He that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive. How long? Forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. You know what He was signifying? I am the victor. He wasn't the one that stayed dead in the grave. Instead, he's the one that is alive today. And we read that in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As he dangled those keys in front of the nose of Satan, he says, listen, I rose from the grave. And he said, listen, I am the victor today. And so we can sing today as a church, uh, up from the grave he arose, or we can sing victory in Jesus, or these great songs of the faith, because we serve the victorious living Jesus Christ tonight. Isn't that good? That's why he says, blessed is he that reads and understands. All right, verse nine, chapter 2, let's look there with us. As we go to chapter 2 and chapter 3, I remind you that it unfolds some things for us about seven churches in the book of Revelation. And so we have these seven churches that are laid out here. And, and each one of these, all but with the exception of one, has some sort of admonishment from Jesus Christ. And they represent churches that were literal, but also church ages. And so each of these, we covered each of those. But as we look at this, I just want to look at the last one, that church of Laodicea. And it is an, it's something we must guard against, this Laodicean attitude. And so look in Revelation 3 and verse number 14. It says, And the angel, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee, to buy of me gold tried in the fire, and that thou mayest be rich in white raiments, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him, and he with me." To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even uh, as I also overcame came and sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So again, we have this last church that's laid out here, and this is the age in which we live today. This spirit of Laodicea is upon the churches throughout the world, and this is that simply that spirit of apathy. We're not hot, we're not cold, we're just indifferent toward things of God, and we can see this, and, and we see this. We have large mega churches today, and you would think, well, listen, the church is more on fire than ever before, but oftentimes it's a show on Sunday because Monday it has not, had no effect on their life. And so God wants us then, listen, He says, I desire that you were cold or hot. I want you to be, uh, and, and I know that God's fervent desire for us is to be uh, hot, uh, to be a, on fire for the Lord in all of these things. And that's what He says in the, verse number 18. I counsel thee by me gold tried in the fire. 
And, and if you go to 1 Corinthians 3, it kind of makes these connections there. I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but I just want to lay out to you uh, that, that in this day and age, we've got to keep our eyes on what is most important. Our memory verse for this uh, year is Colossians chapter three, and you're going to begin to uh, we're going to begin to work on that more as we come to the end of the year. But in Colossians chapter three, uh, he says, "If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above." And we are reminded in the Scripture over and over and over again that we must look unto Jesus, the Author and Finisher of our faith. We see this call, but listen, as a, as a Christian in this day and age, that, that means it's going to be exceedingly difficult to remain fervent for the Lord. And so we must be on guard. Uh, and so that means there's going to be things that we must remove from our life. And we're not going to enjoy all the pleasures of sin for a season, but instead, like Moses, we're going to choose instead to, to serve Jesus Christ. And so we see here in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, he deals with the churches and the church age in which we have been are living. And it's a glorious time where God is using uh, the church to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Chapter 4 changes some things a little bit. Look in verse number 1. He says, And after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet, talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now God transitions, and He says, uh, and this is an, an important dividing point in the Scripture, where before He's been dealing with the church age, now He begins to look at uh, things in heaven, and then the tribulation, and this is really the beginning, and this verse even here, as He says, Come up hither, it is, uh, is a uh, picture of the rapture of the church which will be snatched away or caught up to meet the Lord in the air according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And so from this point forward, the church has now exited the scene of the earth. We are in the presence of the Lord uh, where we are enjoying a couple of things we'll get to later in the book of Revelation uh, in more detail. But at this point, you can just be reminded uh, that there is uh, both the Bema Seat of Christ and the Marriage Supper of the Lamb that's happening right there in heaven. That's what the church is part of from this point forward. But on earth now, God is dealing with initially Israel, but He's really pouring out His judgment. His wrath upon all mankind. And that begins in chapter uh, uh, 6, really, and it goes through chapter number, uh, I believe it's 19. And so we see all of this here uh, is, is, uh, is happening in Revelation. And this is what really sparks our interest. And people want to know, well, listen, when is the rapture going to take place? Well, listen, if you were here for our final lesson uh, in the feast, as, he, as Dr. Weigel connected the feast with prophecy, it's easy sometimes to fall into the trap of trying to place dates and years and all of these things. And in my study of Daniel, I remember there was a time I said, listen, if you, could, if you really wanted to, it'd be really easy to fall in the trap of placing dates. But you know what Christ said? No man will know the day or the hour. Listen, we don't know when that's going to be. And you say, Pastor, when is it going to be? I say, I don't know. The Bible doesn't really... Sorry, just carry. For those of you who went to camp, y'all know where that's from, all right? I don't know. You don't know. The Bible doesn't really say. All right. All right, sorry. That was just an inside joke. Next year, y'all got to go to camp with us. We'd love to have you. Come on down. 
All right, so Revelation 4 then, John is translated from this place into heaven and immediately he is amazed by all that is there and he sees some incredible things including four and twenty elders which fall down before the Lord and verse number 10 and 11, look at, look at this, the four and twenty elders fall down before him and, uh, that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Isn't that glorious? Man, I can't help but read this and, and just almost be overcome with the emotion of what John must have experienced as he was translated to heaven and he sees the might and the majesty, the holiness, uh, the glory of the Lord firsthand and he sees all that is going on there. It's an incredible moment. Chapter number five we see there is the revelation of this seven-sealed book in Revelation 5. It says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel pro proclaiming, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the, the seals thereof? And then verse number 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals hereof. See, Jesus Christ laid His shed blood. He lived His perfect life. He, he did all that was needed, and He was worthy. That's why they can sing, Thou art worthy, O Lord, because Christ truly is Lord of all. He didn't just happen to become Lord somewhere along the way. He has always been God. And now they sing in verse number 9 in chapter 5, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by uh, Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and made us, uh, made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. What a glorious moment as the, the saints in heaven lift up their voice and the angelic beings just all sing in chorus about the might and the majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know why he said, blessed is the he that heareth? Because it can't help but increase our faith. It can't help but, but as, we, as we see more about the incredible might of who Jesus is, stir us to say, God, let me serve you fervently now because there's coming a day when I will see you face to face. Well, in verse number 1 of chapter 5, there was that seven-sealed scroll. and chapter 6, Jesus Christ begins to open those, those seven seals. And that's uh, where we see some of the, uh, some of the judgments uh, that are beginning to pour out. And just so very quickly, let's look at the screen, if you will. There's seven seals initially, and that's the, what is covered in chapter 6. And then I finished up, I, we will finish chatting uh, number 7 tonight as we look at the seven trumpets. The seventh uh, seal uh, opens the seven trumpets, then the seventh trumpet uh, opens the seven vials or bold judgments there. And so these then are poured out from the Lord upon the earth during this time of tribulation. And each becomes progressively worse and worse and worse. The end of the seven trumpets is called the three woes. And uh, I don't know that we're going to get that far tonight, uh, but we will do our best to, to get as far as we can this evening. But what we see is, is that God pours out His wrath. And we think, sometimes we think, where is God when the murderer goes free? Where is God whenever so-and-so uh, gets away with, with their sins and their crimes against humanity? I remind you that God is a just God. 
He is holy, and He will make sure that, uh, that justice is, uh, is poured out. And so let me just encourage you, trust in Him, His ways. He knows what He's doing, uh, and we can trust that He's going to do this. So let's break this down a little bit. The seven seals of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6. We're going to go through these very quickly, just as we can see. There's first off, in Revelation 6, 1, it starts with the first of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And we see... In verse number 2, it says, And I saw and behold a white horse, and he sat on him, and a bow and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. This is the, uh, the Antichrist. He comes on the scene, and he has a false peace, and we see this bow uh, and that uh, he has, but there are no, there are no arrows. Uh, and so it indicates that he is coming on the scene, and he is conquering without having to have war. But notice Hot on the heels of the coming of the Antichrist is verse number 3. The second seal is unloosed, and that is the red horse of war. It says, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And so there was a great global conflict that breaks out. And I believe it's going to be the Antichrist trying to squelch any, any and every Every uprising that may come at that time, there will be some that want to follow him and some that don't, and there will be a, a terrible catastrophe. The third uh, horseman of the apocalypse, which follows naturally on the heels of war, is that of famine. It's the black horse. He says, and when he had opened the third seal, in verse number 5 of chapter 6, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Those that are poor will continue to struggle in this life. Those that are rich will not be affected uh, by the famine that is hit. But those that are poor will suffer greatly during this time. And so, uh, do you want to know if you're poor or not? Uh, well, if you're not Elon Musk, you're probably in the poor category in this. And so if, uh, if you are left behind during this time, more than likely you are going to suffer uh, greatly. Now, who is left behind? This is a good question. I didn't get to that, but let me just share with you. Those left behind are those that have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It is so imperative that before we ever get to this, before we ever get to Revelation 4, that here in the church age, this is why uh, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, now is the time of salvation. It's so imperative that right now, before we leave this building, maybe even in this moment, you, you uh, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior because when these things begin to tick off, it's going to be a miserable time on this earth. And this is just the beginning. Look at the look of the pale horse, the, ne the, the next seal the fourth seal. It says in verse number uh, 7, And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked and beheld a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed him, and power was given to him over the fourth part of the sea to kill with the sword and the hunger, with death and with beasts of the earth. There was a great slaughter of mankind during this time. It's a terrible, terrible time uh, that um, there will be much death spread upon all of this world. And so this, those four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, as are often known, we often think that these are the worst of the worst, but the worst is yet to come in God's plans here. Let's look at the fifth seal, and this is verse number 9. It says, and when, I, and when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? 
And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants and also their brethren that should be killed as they were uh, should be fulfilled. And so here we have uh, the souls of the martyrs crying out under the throne of God, and they're crying out for God to bring justice, and God is working to that end uh, all along the way. But yet even in this seven-year period of tribulation, uh, which kicks off, I didn't mention this, it kicks off when uh, the, uh, there is a peace covenant that's signed with Israel and the Antichrist. And, but... Uh, uh, but as, the, as these people are crying out to God, what we see is that God is showing mercy even in these times. He's not only revealed what His plan was, but He's also giving time for them to repent and to uh, ask God for their salvation. And so the sixth seal uh, tonight is what we're going to look at next in verse number 12. It says, And I beheld when he had opened the seventh, sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun and moon became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, and even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains, and set into the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Imagine, they know this is from the Lord, they know this is from Christ, and yet they never repent. It says, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? So as we see those first six seals that were revealed in Revelation chapter 6, what we see is a great time of devastation. Earthquakes, sun, moon, stars are all affected even in this. And so uh, there is not only on man are there uh, these seals poured out, but even on the earth itself is affected. When we turn to chapter 7, things, if I just by way of reminder, uh, transition just a little bit. And this is a time where the Lord begins to seal His witnesses. In chapter 7, uh, we see that He labels out and lays out that there was going to be 144,000 witnesses in Revelation 7, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. And so, you know, there are some people today that believe uh, that uh, they are part of Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, but if you read your Bible, it's very clear that these are going to be Jews, they were going to be male, and they will be virgins, and they will be during the tribulation period. And so just a very, a very simple clarity on that. Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not any of us here tonight, uh, because I, except I did learn, uh, we have one part Jew in our midst. Uh, Sister Sharon is part Jew. Uh, I, isn't, that, isn't that what you told me, Howard? All right, good. That must be why she can make money go so far. All right. <laughs> What's that's wrong? <laughs> All right, so I want to look at. Uh, so he reveals these things to us, uh, and he and he goes down through this, and and then I want to just look in verse number ten, uh, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, "Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb." And then the angels stood round about the throne and around about the elders, and we just see this this time as as they these one hundred and forty four thousand witnesses. I just want to encourage you uh, that we look at the uh, the time of revelation. We see, see this tribulation period. And we can be uh, overwhelmed with a negative that is in this. But through it all, remember, God is still working a plan through all of this. And His plan is to redeem man unto Himself. 
And so this is an evidence of that. In Revelation 7, there is a great revival that breaks out. Listen, I'm praying for revival. I'd love for God to bring us revival right here in this place and, and, and even tonight. But I'm telling you, there will be a great revival during the time of tribulation. Hearts will turn back toward the Lord. And, and we are uh, praying that that day will come soon. All right. So, uh, let's go ahead and look. Now, chapter 8 unveils. We're going to go back to the seventh seal in chapter 8. And we have the, seven, uh, the, uh, the seventh trumpet judgments. And that seventh seal unleashes those seven trumpet judgments. The seventh trumpet, judge, uh, seventh trumpet judgment unleashes the seven bowl judgments. All right, so we kind of got that in our mind there. And so in Reve uh, Revelation chapter 8... We're going to begin right here, and just as a reminder of what God has uh, unveiled for us here. Revelation 8 and verse number 1. It says, And when he'd opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altars which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended, uh, saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So this is all precursor to this, the seven trumpets being blown. And so before the trumpets are blown, one of the seals, the seventh seal is, un, uh, is breaking. And the breaking of this seal then uh, produces uh, several things uh, in, uh, that are important. So before we go to the trumpets, I know that it's very small print, and I apologize. Uh, but it kind of lays out for us the seven trumpets, just as a bird's eye view, if you will, uh, before we get into them. The first trumpet, Revelation 8, 7. It deals with uh, this, uh, well, I can't even read it from back there. Uh, one third of the grass and trees are burnt. The second trumpet, Revelation 8, uh, 8 and 9. And there's a great burning mountain cast into the sea. And as a, as a result, a third of the sea becomes blood. A third of the sea life is destroyed and ships are destroyed. We see worm, uh, the wormwood star in the third trumpet falls upon a third of the rivers and the springs. And so one third of all fresh water becomes poisonous. And the fourth trumpet, uh, which is probably as far as we'll get tonight, uh, uh, as it is blown, one third of the light from the sun, moon, and stars is lost. And so all of those things are revealed. Now, the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet are what we call the woe judgments. And they are uh, uh, much more uh, serious in this. And so uh, Revelation 9 is where those begin. Uh, Revelation 9, 1 through 12 is the fifth trumpet. And we see another fallen uh, angel comes uh, to the earth and opens a door to the bottom, uh, bottom, or excuse me, another angel comes and opens a door to the bottomless pit and releases a great uh, 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 winged uh, locust. Uh, with the, with, we'll describe him here. I, I've got a picture, if we get that far, that's a terrible picture of what God, uh, God lays out. And it will be loosed on the earth for a season and men will desire to die just from being stung from this thing and will wish for death and death will not come. It will be so bad. Uh, again, another one of those judgments that are so vile, so uh, harsh uh, that many people uh, should turn to the Lord but won't. 
the sixth trumpet, the second woe as well. Uh, there's four angels released from the Euphrates River. 200 million demonic horsemen kill one-third of men. Again, this great unleashing of all that has happened. Third woe actually uh, is the seventh trumpet, and that will be the vile judgments, and we'll get into that in a little more detail. All right, so that's kind of a big picture there. Let's go into a little bit of preparation, verses 1 through 6. Uh, sorry, wrong one. I'll get the right one here in a second. Verse number 1, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, picture this, if you will. We just left this scene of heaven uh, where uh, they are worshiping, they're praising the Lord. Uh, and matter of fact, the Bible says in verse 17, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes uh, as they stand in the midst of the throne. And there's 144,000 witnesses, a joyful time. But when he opens that seventh seal, it is so catastrophic that all of heaven stands still and quiet. Isaiah chapter 6, the angels that would fly around the throne of God singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Those even cease their singing. Uh, the saints, the elders, all those that have been singing finally or, or suddenly are stilled and are quiet because as they, this seal is unleashed, it is so horrendous and so terrible that, that, they, that all of heaven is suddenly stilled. And so the very first thing that we see is this stillness that happens. And so verse number 2, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So the next thing we see here, not only is there seven, uh, that time of silence, but now there are seven angels and seven trumpets standing here. Now these are what we would recognize as trumpets, but they're more like a shofar, like Brother Junior would stand, uh, would play uh, in that regard. Something that would be more uh, familiar to John is what he would see as a trumpet uh, there. He wouldn't necessarily know these brass instruments that are pictured in this. In verse number 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So the next thing we see is this another angel comes, and he takes a golden censer, and in it are the prayers of the saints, and he uh, brings them before the Lord. And listen, prayer is powerful. Uh, and this prayer, in this moment, in Revelation chapter 8, this prayer brings a much catastrophe. As a matter of fact, we don't know what all of these prayers are. We can speculate a little bit. Maybe it's the judgment uh, that they're praying for. Maybe they're praying that God would uh, reveal Himself. We're not sure what they're praying for, but we know that these prayers of, of those martyred saints, the prayers of those that are on the earth, that are suffering through all that's going on, all of this is brought before the throne of God. And here's the great thing. God hears our prayers. He is not deaf. He's never been deaf. And even today, in 2023, God is still not deaf, church. Listen, when we're praying for revival, sometimes we pray and we say, well, I'm doing this because pastor wants me to. No, no, we're praying because we still believe God can bring revival. We're still praying because God still has a work to do. We're still praying because I have neighbors that are lost. We're still praying because we have people on the mission field that still need a missionary. We're still praying today because churches are without pastors and God is looking to call some. Let me tell you, God still inhabits the prayers of His saints tonight. Matter of fact, in Psalms chapter 35, verses 4 through 6, he said, Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after the soul. This is a prayer that the psalmist would have prayed and a prayer that would have been similar to maybe what was found here at this, at this altar. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion to devise my hurts. Let them be as the chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them and let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. 
Listen, these prayers and others like them will be fitting for the persecuted martyrs of the tribulation age. But God waits while His tormented and terrified people on the earth pray. But yet, let me just encourage you that there may be times where it seems dark. Uh, Sorry, I forgot to advance that. But just like Daniel in the lion's den, God hears. And there may be times where we feel alone, but God has promised He'd never leave us nor forsake us. There's another example of a man who prayed and God heard. You see, what we're reminded is that God still inhabits the prayers of His saints. Don't quit praying. Don't give up hope in all of this. All right, let's move forward. So, Uh, As we look at this next part, the precipitating of the judgment. And so there's a couple of things that happen here in verses number 5 and 6. The angel took the censer, he filled it with the fire of the altar, and then he cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. And so they're beginning this. They're getting ready to all of this, a precursor to what's about to happen. Uh, and, and just as he does so, they've offered the, the prayers of the saints. And now he takes this censer, fills it with fire from the altar, and it casts it to the earth. Now, this is some preliminary rumblings of what is about to take place Uh, And so maybe voices and thunderings, lightnings, earthquakes. Listen, uh, this is the formula for catastrophe that's about to be unleashed. And this is uh, the implication that that what's about to be unleashed is far greater and far worse than anything that has been unleashed up to this point. And it begins right at the beginning as we see this record of the trumpets as we go forward here. And so tonight, uh, just a reminder, those are the seven trumpets that we're looking at. And let's look at the very first one. We see in this very first section, we see just war is intensified on earth. And it says in Numbers 10, 9, And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets. These trumpets remind us that God oftentimes used uh, war. And so we see this intensifying in uh, in, uh, God's uh, uh, plan for the ages here. So let's look very first at this first trumpet in Revelation chapter 8 verse number 7. Let's look there together and we're also going to look back at Exodus chapter 9 verses 18 through 25. Uh, Revelation 8 and verse 7. It says, The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burned up, and all green grass was burned up. And the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mount... Oh, sorry, I went too far. And so we see very first thing right out of the box uh, that that some things are happening here. And so we see a third of the trees are burned up, the grass is burned up, some uh, some terrible devastation. Now look in uh, Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. You say, well, listen, that doesn't happen. You ever seen fire and hell uh, together coming down. We had some hail damage on our house this year and uh, uh, we're grateful that God uh, didn't bring any major damage, but we had a little damage, got a new roof out of it. And so we're thankful for that, but uh, not so much the deductible you had to pay, uh, but uh, all of those things, the Lord's good in all of it. But in, in Exodus, if we go back in our mind's eye to the time of, of Moses and the plagues of Egypt, we can go back in Exodus chapter number 9 in your Bible. It will not be on the screen, but it will be in your Bible, I promise that. Exodus chapter 9, verse number 18, and we're going to read how God brought fire and hell mingled here in this time. He said, verse number 18, Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof even until now. 
Send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field. Uh, for upon every man and beast which, uh, which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home, the hell shall come down upon them and they shall die. He that feareth the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. In verse 22, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field upon the, uh, throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses did. Uh, and But look at what happened. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord ran hail upon the land of Egypt. Now, I don't know if this is a lightning storm that was so severe. I'm not sure what this might have looked like, quite honestly, but I do know this, is that God is able to fulfill that promise. Uh, and, and so, listen, our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine, right? We believe that? And so when we come to Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 7, and we see this very first trumpet that sounds will destroy all of the plants on this, on this earth. All the trees, one-third of the trees are gone. One-third of the grass, absolutely gone. What will that do to this earth? Well, I tell you, it would change the landscape a little bit, wouldn't it? Joel, he talks a little bit about this as well and in preparation for this in verse number 30. He says, I will show thee wonders in heaven and in the earth, blood, fire, and pillars of smoke. And he goes on and says, And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And so Joel speaks of this. Exodus demonstrates how it has happened in the past. Revelation says it will come again. The second trumpet. Revelation 8, verses 8 through 9. And the second angel sounded as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. Again, look at Exodus chapter number 7, verse 19 through 21, Exodus 7. We see this also fulfilled one other time, uh, a similar plague that was brought in a smaller scale upon Egypt. And we're going to look in verses 19 through 21. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying to Aaron, Take thy rod and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, the rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon their pools of water, that they may become blood, that there be, may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, and all the waters that were in the river turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Is it literal blood? Yes. Absolutely. God, looks, uh, God has destroyed part of the land, now He destroys part of the sea. And as we see this uh, thing that has come from the sky, this, uh, this great uh, meteor more than likely that has come and hit the ground, we see uh, that, that it has affected uh, so many things. The blood sea has turned to blood, we see the fish die up, we see one-third of the ships. One commentator said that uh, this is probably the sea of the Mediterranean where John was most familiar, uh, but regardless, uh, I just trust his word. If he says one-third, I'm going to trust that God says one-third of the sea. Listen, that's going to be a terrible, terrible uh, 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 judgment that God pours, pours out here. Third, thirdly, and this may be as far as we get tonight, Revelation 8, verses 10 through 11. Revelation 8, verse 10, 
And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the part of the waters became Wormwood, and many died of the waters because they were made bitter. Now, if, um, if you look at Jeremiah chapter number 9 and verse number 15, Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse number 15 in your Bible, and it won't be on the screen. Wanted you to use your Bible a little bit tonight and not get um, used to the screen, but in Jeremiah 9, verse 15. He says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will feed them, even this people, with wormwood and give them water of gall to drink. And so Jeremiah even foretells of this, uh, this, uh, this judgment that would come. And more than likely, what we're seeing is a meteorite that falls in the right spot to pollute the water, and one third of the wa- world's Fresh water supply uh, is destroyed. Whether that's in underground sources or or because of uh, or above ground sources, we're not sure. But what we do know is that God's word says that one third of the water supply is affected by this. And so we see the land's been affected, the water's been affected, uh, and so this greatly affects all of life. Let's go to one more, the fourth uh, trumpet here, and we're going to end on this tonight for sure because I know our time is is run out. Verse number twelve. It says, The fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet by the three angels which are yet to sound. We'll probably hit verse 13 next time, but let's look in verse number 12. We see that immediately in this fourth trumpet that that God uh, brings a judgment upon even the sun and the moon and the stars. Look in Luke chapter 21 with me. Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 26. Uh, Luke 21, 25 through 26. It says, And there shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, and the sea and the waves roaring, and men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Remember, in the very beginning, what we learned is that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God is creator of all things. In verse number 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And listen, there was, before there was bodies of light, there was light in on the world. And so what we see, it is nothing for God then to be able to blacken part of the sky. It's not, nothing for God to be able to say, listen, uh, to be able to, to blot out one third of the moon or the sun or the stars. That is nothing for our God. And our finite man's minds, we can't quite understand or grasp this, but God can do all things. Listen, I believe this is going to be nothing short of a miraculous thing that God does here. And and as we see this, God's whole point in all of these judgments, in all of these trumpet judgments, is to turn hard hearts that are hard like stone into hearts like flesh. Hearts that are rebelling against the Lord to bring us back to a place where we're willing to say, Lord, you are God alone. But listen, we don't have to wait to see all of these things firsthand in order to be there. You see, we tonight can even begin and begin to say, listen, God, I trust you right now. God, I put my faith in you. I believe on you. And before we ever get to this point, God, I just want you to know, God, I trust in you as my Lord and my Savior, and I'm looking forward to being with you one day. Listen, that can be your hope. 
That can be the, the assurance that we have through Jesus Christ. As I shared this morning in the message regarding God's gift, it is not something we earn. It's not something we buy. It's not something uh, that we try to finagle out of God or, or manipulate Him for. He simply offers it willingly as a gift and says, listen, you can be spared from the wrath to come. You can have a home in heaven. It's not just for a select few, but for all that will call upon Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions, or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?